Longhorn Nation. He's going for the corner. He's got it. Texas is back, folks. Oh, yes. Oh, Christ. We're back. Welcome back to the Fire Steve Sarkeesian podcast, the definitive overreactionary Texas Longhorns football fan podcast. This is basically the first episode for the 2022 season as our last episode with the hot wings and the hot takes and all that shit was pretty much just off-season filler. It was fun, but uh, not particularly insightful. Not that we're ever that insightful, and we're not going to be all that insightful on this episode. But fall practice has started, so I guess that means it's time for us to sort of get back into the swing of things. My name's Josh. I'm here with my new co-host, at least for today's episode, Steven. And we're going to break it all down the least informed way that we possibly can. So first off, Steven, uh, new to the podcast in a way, but you're obviously one of the biggest Sark homers that I know. So, <laughs> I mean, how excited are you for everything to finally be back? Oh, it should be good, man. It should be good. Uh, I think last uh, last season we showed a lot of promise. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I think this offseason, uh, you know, Sark's getting his guys in there. And uh, once his roster shapes up the way it is, his strength and conditioning program takes, you know, I think the sky's the limit. You know, he's 13 and 31 on the road, but Bam is at home. And that's all I got. That's 11 and 0, easy. Right. As Care Bear Kieran said in that, that beautiful video, undefeated is on the table. And I, I don't think truer words have ever been spoken, right? Yeah. I mean, we polled the Longhorn Nation subreddit. And I think there was a mathematical, I think it was 0.4% chance that we go undefeated. So it is on the table. You know, haters just say it's fake, but it's right there in the math. Right. Numbers, numbers famously do not lie. There's never been incorrect data. So, I mean, it's, it's pretty much raring to go now. In all seriousness, I'm really happy we got Gary Patterson in there. Hopefully he's... He's utilized in the way that he, I think, will thrive, which is just coaching the defense completely. But, uh, you know, I think we have a chance to, to look really good if we can keep our uh, starting QB healthy this season. I think we'll have a good shot. That definitely took things off the rails. I mean, there was a lot of issues last season, even beyond Casey Thompson getting hurt. But Casey Thompson getting his getting hurt, basically playing with everything but only four fingers on one hand was really sort of the nail in the coffin to make sure that the offense could only function for about six drives total per game and then just forgot how to show up the rest of the Because he got hurt halfway through OU, right? Right. Like, it was like, as he got hurt, it literally, the season turned. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. It went from a blowout of Oklahoma to getting blown out by Oklahoma in the second <laughs> half. And then from there, it really didn't get a whole lot better. Yeah. Yeah, it was a it was an interesting exercise having to prepare for this podcast because I had to actually go back and and read about what happened in some of the games that I didn't even watch at the end of the season because uh, yeah it got it got pretty rough down the stretch but you know hopefully as the culture in the locker room really flips <laughs> I think that we can see some improvement out there this year. Yeah, and I mean, you, you see a lot of that work that Sark is doing to improve that culture in the locker room, bringing in guys from Alabama who know how to win under Nick Saban, guys like Jaleel Billingsley, the wide receiver Hall there, um, famously great leadership guys, guys who are really going to help sort of nail down the locker room, help him build that culture and, and bring that toughness and that grit that was lacking last That's year. That's right, man. Part of the Saban coaching tree. 
you know, I'll take it wherever I can get it. But what about you? What about you, Josh? What, what does next season look like to you? I mean, I think a good season, honestly, could be as much as nine wins. I'm, I'm trying to remember. I did fill out that poll on Longhorn Nation. I feel like I might have put the ceiling at nine wins, the floor at going five and seven again, and sort of cross my fingers hoping for eight, realistically. Mm-hmm. I mean, if we're not memeing about it, Bama's basically written off, and I haven't really sat down and gone through who the other three teams are, but... I uh, don't know what to expect out of Oklahoma with Burnt Vegetables as the new head coach. Yeah, who's their QB? I haven't even followed their, uh, their uh, They got, oh shit, Dylan Gabriel from UCF is their, their starting quarterback right now. All right, so like totally unknown quantities on both sides of the ball coaching, new QB. Uh, defense defense was all right last year, right? Yeah, and I mean that's that's uh, Skeletor's that's sort of Skeletor's specialty there is that the defense. I mean they were really good defensive coordinator at Clemson, really dog shit defensive coordinator when he was at Oklahoma. So I'm glad he's back. That's for sure. And then Oklahoma, in true Oklahoma fashion, goes and hires a uh, Bryles apologist to be their offensive coordinator. I mean I I can at least appreciate that they're leaning into the fact that they are all terrible. I know, man. Casey Casey Horney and shambles out there with no job. I wonder where I wonder if that guy did get hired somewhere. I kind of want to look that man <laughs> up and see if he's still floating around. If he if he got on with the Chicago Bears while Tom Harmon was there. We'll parking lot that for the next podcast and we'll we'll give him their Casey Horney update. Where is he today? Perfect. Yeah, that that's definitely that that'll be a a recurring thing. Where in the world is Casey Horney? Every season, <laughs> we'll sort of do a refresh like this is where he's going to be this offseason or this season. Speaking of people who are going to be somewhere different, this season, Tom Herman in general, supposedly the word is that he's going to be on CBS Sports Network. So uh, if you're a fan of a Mountain West team, uh, as I sort of am, thanks to CSU and the ties to Colorado State, I'm going to get exposed again to Tom Herman. So he, he was helping out the Bears for all of six months? I mean, I think he made it like a year. Think, and then the Bears fired Matt Nagy and uh, he wasn't retained right. by whoever the hell's in okay. charge of the Bears okay. these days. This is this is where Tux would really come in more clutch. He's the one who's the Bears fan, not me. I, I don't keep up. Well, you know, I like Tom. I, I always thought that uh, the way that he carried himself was at least amusing. You know, people talk a lot about coach speak and how boring it is, and you know, he was at least interesting as our coach. Yeah, it's it's a lot more fun when it's not just empty, you know, meaningless words that you've heard a million times. It's a lot more fun when he's just being a jackass to admittedly most of our media who deserves it in spades all being treated like shit i i cannot blame the man for treating him that way you know there's going to be a longhorn meme spike when he starts uh starts his broadcast career there's going to be a few weeks his sound bites people better be ready i i hope he throws out a couple winnings winning his hards during some mm-hmm. csu games very does i i have similarly low expectations for csu even with they they do have mike norvell Famously was the uh, offensive coordinator for us that year when Charlie Strong managed to beat Oklahoma inexplicably. Mike Norvell was his offensive coordinator, at least his play caller. Oh, the guy from ASU? Or he went to ASU yeah. after that? He yeah, he was at ASU. Oh, that was a terrible offense. That was a terrible You're excited about him at CSU? Uh, well, I to be fair to Mike Norvell, it was Sean Watson's offense or whatever. <laughs> right, then right. Sean Watson got fired like two games in because Charlie couldn't commit to just firing the guy in the off season. Right. So then this dude comes in with an offense that's installed and has to call plays for it. But I mean, he had a good, good team at Nevada, all things considered with it being Nevada in the post Kaepernick world. 
my expectations for CSU are higher than they are for Texas. Let's put it that way. Well, you know, along those lines, if, uh, if it's not PK's year this year, that'll be the end of year two, going into year three, and Stark will have to make a decision, and it'll be like Herman with Beck and Strong with Watson. Yeah, time's a flat circle. I love being a Texas fan. If we just do the same things constantly <laughs> and nothing changes, I don't know why any of us are surprised. And that's, I think both you and I sort of share that that sort of cynicism just about the, the, the Longhorn community online in general. is just everyone gets themselves spun up. And I think you and I at this point are like irreparably broken. The podcast is called Fire Steve Sarkeesian. All right. From day one. We know where, where you guys stand for sure. But looking at the schedule, after Oklahoma, we have Iowa State, and I can't remember if last year was their year, or if it was the year before, or is it this year? What's their year? Uh, if you're an Iowa State fan, it's it's every year. Matt okay. Campbell's there. He's a god. He has never coached poorly in his life. <laughs> I don't know. I can't even remember if Brock Purdy is still there. Uh, I think he's a 99 in Madden now. He's Probably. He, he, he's in the pros. Yeah, I, I do famously recall Iowa State fans declaring that he was going to be a first-round pick, and for the life of me, I gun to my head, I couldn't even guess where Brock I think he's I think he's still there, actually, but we'll see. But Iowa State, I think, for once, might have a down year this year. So really, it's Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Bama, and Baylor. And I, I for some reason, admittedly, again, Sark kind of broke me last season. I really didn't keep up with college football nearly as well this offseason as I otherwise would have. Uh, I keep seeing people talk about Kansas State like they're going to be something, and I don't know why. If you're listening, if you follow on social media, if you are on the Discord, someone please explain all of the Kansas State love that I'm seeing because it doesn't make any sense. They get a transfer? Oh, Adrian Martinez from Nebraska is there, bro. That's why everyone's so Oh, of so course. Stoked. Yeah, that dude's been at Nebraska for like the last 18 years. Hasn't hasn't played well yet. Every year is the year that he takes a step forward and never materializes. And now he's going to go to Kansas State, and I'm supposed to buy in now that K State's going to be way better than they were with Skylar Thompson. If you want to learn the fundamentals, you go to Kansas State. Those are some lunch pail, courts on the field guys that are going to teach a guy like Adrian how to play within a system and not scramble on 95% of. His dropbacks. Scramble and just sort of, you know, fucking whip that thing, try and go deep, get it about 15 yards before it hits the ground or a defensive player. And I think that's basically the entire Adrian Martinez experience at Nebraska. Oh, man. Hudson Card and shambles. No, Hudson Card can't get offended about that. That would have implied that Hudson threw the ball. (laughs) (laughs) Speaking of Hudson Card, still... uh, For the second year in a row, he finds himself in the quarterback battle. I think basically every Texas fan expects or believes that Quinn Ewers should be the starting quarterback. All logic and reason assumes that Hudson Hudson Card is going to lose that battle to Ewers. But for some reason, I cannot shake the feeling that Hudson Card is going to find a way to be a starter for the first game of the season again against a Louisiana team and then start and look like absolute dog shit against another SEC team starting with the letter A. I don't know if, if Sark can take that heat is the only reason I feel like I feel like Sark year one, I think, yeah, maybe that's how that plays out. But if he names Card the starter for Alabama, how does that play out for that whole week? You know, how I don't remember what the number was for Quinn coming to Austin, but I'm pretty sure some people put out some money to get him here. So at some point we want to see him on the field. So if Alabama's 
I don't know. That's going to be a tough call, I guess. But Hudson's a known entity, and his performance at Arkansas last year, if that's how he plays versus an SEC team that's even halfway physical, I really would prefer that he sit on the bench. The the only argument you really have is that sort of weird theory that I think is sort of the loser's mentality where it's like, oh, yeah, you play card to let Alabama snap him in half. That way, yours is confidence doesn't get damaged. I think that's one of the stupidest ideas I can possibly think of. It's going into that game anticipating losing. He's like a consumable entity. Like, no, it's cool. We'll just we'll use a card, and once he's once he's out, then we'll get Quinn in there fresh. As soon as soon as that fucking EKG flatlines on Hudson Card, Quinn, you're up to bat. Time for you to rescue this program. We need to go. We need to win the next ten games. But what if you know? What if Quinn comes in and it's like major Apple White, like the the beginning of the man, the myth, the legend. You know, the hero, you know, the hero mentality winds up working out for some guys. And, and that would be a fun, a fun thing to observe is like card gets completely railroaded. We go down 21 to zero. Quinn comes in, brings us back. We beat Bama, go 12 and 0 right off into the SEC. Let's go. There we go. Yeah. I just needed some positivity. I don't know. That's a possibility. But we've, we've pretty much just been talking shit for the last uh, 15 minutes. Right, we really leaned into the fire, Steve Sarkeesian part, because uh, as as most people will remember, when it was fire Tom Herman from the beginning of Herman's days, it was supposed to be meant ironically as a, you know, Texas fans just want every head coach fired. Because we were really optimistic about Herman, so we were like, oh, it'll be super obvious that we're joking. Right, and Herman managed to make it not obvious <laughs> for a lot of people. The number of people that I had after losses who were coming out and being like, yeah, bro, perfect name for the podcast. I'm like, shit, dude, you are exactly who I was trying to make fun of. And it feels like this year my sort of expectations are that I am going to be the guy that my own podcast name is supposed to be making fun of. Because I'm, yeah, I'm not with the rest of Longhorn Internet. I'm just, I'm down in general on Sark. I don't, Yeah. I don't see a lot of reason for hope. I hope to be wrong. But I really don't, I'm not going into this going, oh man, we're going to win 10. We could win 10. We could win the Big 12. Things are going to be great. We're going to be rolling into the SEC with a bunch of momentum. I hope we do. I just have no reason to actually believe that it's in the cards. So I wanted to remember what our team was like last year. It was like, maybe I'm being unfair here. Five and seven's bad. But was it really as bad as I remember? So I was like, I'm going to go see what Texas did last year. So... We were 100 in total defense, right? So that's mm-hmm. PK. Uh, who did we lose, lose on defense? B.J. Foster, I think, is the quote-unquote biggest the big loss, loss from that the defense. The biggest loss. All right, all right. So 100 in total defense. Uh, we were like 100 to 90 in third and fourth down defense. So I wouldn't say we did great there. But GP's there. You know, we could have a nice improvement. That was a good hire from Sark, right? He said yes when CDC said, here is Gary Patterson. Please hire him. Got to give Sark credit there. But I did notice special teams last year. I remembered that for the first time since Mac Brown, we had badass punt and kick blocking. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, special teams. That's Banks, right? That is Banks. Yeah, he's a, he's a, he's a clever dude. So I'm excited to see uh, at least what kind of chaos we can cause there this year. And if we can improve our defense a little bit, 
Uh, Sark, Sark's got an offense that is it is worth applauding, like as much as we can, because it's a lot of fun to look at. And uh, I think I was looking at some of the feedback, the anonymous uh, Big 12 coach feedback that comes out every offseason. Mm-hmm. And people said as much, you know, Sark's offense is, is it's tops in the conference now with Riley gone. He, if he can show us something on the defensive side, I do think we got a shot for at least, for at least a bowl game, right? Right. Yeah. And really last year, I don't think even with how bad we were, I really don't think there were a whole lot of excuses for why we ended up not finding a way to close at least one of the games against Oklahoma, against Oklahoma State, against Baylor, against West Virginia, against, against, against that six game losing streak at a certain point statistically becomes so unlikely that, I mean, on one hand, you want to say it's luck, but it's just so unlikely that luck wouldn't have flipped to your side at least once. But if that marriage between Patterson and PK can be even the slightest bit successful and we can have Kyle Flood have his offensive line protect either QB, whoever it ends up being, ideally yours, if Flood's offensive line can protect him even for a second and don't break his hand five games into the year, then yeah, there's, there's light at the end of that tunnel. Got a lot of underclassmen on the line. I kind of looked that up. Uh, one of the posters in the sub was saying, you know, we didn't have a lot of five-star guys in the line. And uh, was it 09 when we did the Fiesta Bowl? Or it was the – oh, no, it was the Bama run. And, and uh, the season was 09, but then we played the championship in 2010. They were all upperclassmen. You know, every one of them on that line was a senior. And even though they were like three-star, four-star guys, I – I think that's proved out for 20 years that you just need guys in there that have been in a college strength and conditioning for three to four years. You know, as, as good as Flood was at Bama, I just don't know if we have the bodies to, to keep viewers clean this year. Yeah, I mean, guys like like Devin Campbell, like Kevin Banks, who joined in as part of this recruiting class, five-star, bona fide offensive line prospects, in the end, I mean, I, I don't think anyone but Cole Hudson for the offensive line was part of the program for spring practice. You Ooh. just have fall practice to get those dudes up to speed. And don't get me wrong, guys like Cam Williams look the part. That dude is massive. That picture that we had posted in the Discord of him standing probably three to four yards behind Kylan Robinson and still looking like he was towering over him, like Godzilla towering over Tokyo looks impressive i think those guys can be those guys it's just whether or not that comes together quickly enough this year to make an impact and honestly if things go as bad this season as they did last season i don't really know if the patience is there for sark to be around for year three if things go that bad again so you think five and seven i mean okay five and seven is is hot like hot seat like he doesn't even get another chance maybe Especially depending on how things go. And a lot of people are going to say, well, Charlie Strong got three years. Yeah. Charlie Strong at least went to a bowl game in year one. And he waited to lose to Kansas until year three. Right. right. He did us a real polite solid and waited a long time. Because we had fun in Charlie's. He had a, a three-year run here that was not good at all. And yet there was a lot of really fun enthusiasm uh, in the fan base uh, following, following Mac. So, you know, he didn't give us a home loss in year one to Kansas or a, a four, a 34 to 14 halftime score versus Arkansas, which is like, it's unforgivable, man. Yeah. Again, strong, not good. At least went to a bowl game that first season, did a lot of shit to shoot himself in the foot. Not going to go into the politics and the everything else that is goes along with the Texas 
being Texas head coach as far as, you know, kissing hands and shaking babies with boosters. Yeah. But and another thing I think that contributed was all of that letdown in that third season for Strong followed a promising recruiting class. You had your Devin Duvernays, you had your Patrick Hudson's, you had a really good, really exciting recruiting class. You had your Ur buddies that got Man, the yeah. base really excited only for the team to come out and just shoot itself in the foot again. When he raided Baylor's class that fell apart after they finally did something about Bryles, man, right. that was like just pinnacle of our recruiting success under Charlie. That was a ton of fun. And the fan base was super excited. It felt like we were rolling into 2016 with a ton of momentum and right. we looked awful. Okay. That's, I feel you. that's the kind of, that's the kind of off season outside of you and me being generally cynical about how it went. I think the fan base is in that same spot. That's right true. Now. We got Arch. We got Quinn. Bajan is that dude. In fact, on the surface, if all I cared about was recruiting and who we're putting on our roster, I would be stoked. It's uh, we. Were, I think we were like 85th in penalties last year, which I thought that we were pretty undisciplined under Herman. Uh, and I was really surprised to see it get worse last year. So there's a lot of stuff that, that I think Sark can clean up. But let me ask you, if we were to be the guys who think we're going to have a good season this year. Why are we going to have a good season this year? I mean, the first one that you buy in on is you got to buy in on Gary Patterson having an impact. That's one for you? That's the that's the number one thing that has to happen for us to have a good season. Okay. Gary Patterson has to mesh well with PK. That defense doesn't need to be top 10. That defense needs to be like top 50. It can't be whatever you said, 100th, 120th in fucking defensive metrics it needs to be good that secondary needs to come together the run defense needs to come together i think we're top yeah i think we're top 50 if we improve our tackling you know even i think right. fundamentally i don't think we were super sound last season but just uh effort you know in the latter half of the season was really tough to watch pk and patterson together can just get our fucking safeties and cornerbacks to turn around and locate the ball in the air it was unbelievable how many times in that Oklahoma game Caleb Williams chucks something up to a guy who is not open and our de- defensive back is in position to make a play and then at no point makes any attempt to actually go, where the fuck is the ball? Yeah, it was like Manziel to Mike Evans. It was just like jump ball after jump ball. Not even jump ball. Stuff, some of this shit just drops into the OU players' hands and I'm pretty sure the OU players are like, oh shit. Like I thought this dude was going to put a hand up or try and knock it out of the way. He didn't do anything. He's just standing there. But if you can have Gary Patterson make that impact, number one. Does Bajan need 2,000 yards? Does he need 2,000 yards to get us there this year? All-purpose yards. I don't think he needs it, but I think if we have a good season, he will get there. Okay. If, if the offensive line is good enough to keep him from getting hurt, and obviously we have guys like Roshan and Kylan Robinson, obviously, who can also be impactful guys and not make Bijan have to be everything to everybody and if that same offensive line can keep the quarterback healthy everything else falls into place nine ten wins is legitimately on the table okay well that's yeah nine ten wins if we have a top 50 defense and Bajan goes off i think we lose to bama and like one of baylor yeah the 10 win season i bet we can get a 10 win season if we play that well but the interesting thing about Bajan, i was looking you know, Gary Patterson at the end of the TCU Texas game last year said, you know, if, if I had run Zach Evans like they ran Bajan, you know, he'd be a pile of, pile of dust right now. And, uh, you know, we all laugh, right? Because Bajan is that dude. But 
I don't know if that's a sustainable way to close games is to just give it to Bajan and hope that he can handle 40 carries a game like, you know, Foreman did uh, at the end of Charlie Strong's uh, tenure. Yeah, and I think that's the other part where a lot of those transfers are important. The the wide receivers we brought in, even if you don't have Hall necessarily stepping up immediately, a guy like Isaiah Nayor from Wyoming or Tariq Milton that we got from Iowa State, if those guys can do anything to help get Xavier Worthy some breathing room and not just be the guy that the defense keys in on to cover and shut down the entire passing game, you can take a huge load off of Bijan Robinson. You don't have to ha- punish him like you did at the end of the TCU game just to will you to a win. And what's wild about Bijan in particular is even after our quarterback broke his hand and defenses keyed on Bijan, didn't matter. He still got his he still got his yards. The dude looks like magic out there. I'm I'm really excited about this season. I think about it all the time that first year with Herman where he had that that like ultra reverse scorpion versus tech. Mm-hmm. You remember that? Whew, nightmare, man. I'm, uh, I'm excited for his third year. And I think that'll be the thing that'll be the most upsetting if this team doesn't pull it together is it will feel so much like we just straight up wasted Bijan yeah. for his final year. This is yeah. it, even if Texas is only a seven win team, if you can keep Bijan healthy, there's no reason that he should not be going to New York. He is yeah. that good. He is like- that dude. For, for all of the dumb memes that our community has come up with in this offseason, Bijan being that dude is not not even a meme. Like, it's a meme because it gets repeated, but it's true. Bijan is that dude. He is it's the that only, good. Yeah, it's the only one I'll repeat because it's true. And it was, and it was really the reason it's taken root in the community is because we're crazy lucky. Um, I did see earlier this week someone mentioned that we've had a lot of good running backs come through Texas, though, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, so it'll be it'll be cool to see one what this season looks like and how that stacks them up against people who have uh, played in Texas, you know, Jamal Charles, Ricky Williams, Earl Campbell. But then does he stay? Uh, there's no way, right? No way. No way. There's no way. But if you give him a second Lamborghini, this is our last season with him. Is all I'm saying. You know, right? So let's strap in. Uh, you know, Mac Brown had two thousand yard rushers at North Carolina a couple seasons ago. I'm pretty sure in the bowl game, they were out. I think they sat out for the draft. But, you know, uh, Roshan's looking pretty good after he switched from his quarterback position to running back. I'd say he's he's better looking at that position than any of the five-star recruits we had come through here. you know, Or four-star recruits, you know, the Kyle Porters and Chris Warrens of the world. Yeah, and I don't think there's anyone who would disagree just based on what we saw out of Roshan. Basically, since he's made that position switch, is even if he isn't necessarily on the technical level the greatest running back to ever play, even even compared to Bijan, no one plays harder than Roshan Johnson on this entire football team. I know, that dude man. is he like, moves the pile, right? I love watching him move the pile. Roshan, the fact that he doesn't get hurt with the amount of punishment that he puts himself through to just sort of be the guy to will things to happen like he did in the Kansas State game is frankly a miracle. But Roshan Johnson is 100% the heart and soul of this team. Like... Bijan might be the most talented and the most visible and the most likable dude, but Roshan Johnson, there's never any doubt. Roshan gets anywhere near the football, and that dude goes 300% effort every single time. He certainly works harder than I did at his age. 
So shit. <laughs> no, it's, I'm uh, pretty sure in a single football game, he works harder than you and I have in our entire lives combined. It's been cool <laughs> watching the fan base embrace him, though. You know, he's like our he's like our on the field mascot at this point. We love that dude. And this is his last year too, right? He's a senior. Uh, I think so. He's a senior. Well, I'm trying to think if he's got COVID eligibility, but like. I think oh, he's a good he enough running back where he's he's got a shot at going to the NFL. So I I would be surprised if he took that final year. Yeah, me too. Yeah, depending on how our season goes this year for him, to make a big difference. The only way I think you can say that maybe if he does have it, and we could be completely hypo- speaking hypothetically about something that's not even an option. The only way you get Roshan to take a COVID year is basically if this team is good and you realize you're just just a little bit more development from Worthy, from Ewers, from the offensive line. You're just that little bit away from being a playoff-type team. That's the only way that you get Roshan Johnson to stay for next season. Choose to stay like he's choosing? Because I thought the other way that you can make it impossible for him to say anything else, and we haven't seen it yet, is pay him to stay. Have we seen that in college football yet? Pay to stay? I, th- I think we are so far at that point that NIL is barely over a year old at this point. It was about this time last year that we're first hearing about it. First, people are first coming up with, okay, what's this going to look like? Because um, I think that passed in July of 2021, that that took right. effect. Right, I There just hasn't been that opportunity. But I think it's an interesting question, right? This could be the first season where we see pay to stays. Right. So, yeah. So, if you are B. John Robinson, a junior this season, eligible for the NFL draft, should... In every previous year in history to this point, it's you go, you're gone. But what does that look like if there is a booster who goes, you know what, we could win, we could make the college football playoff, we could win a national championship next season if Bijan Robinson sticks around? How much are how much are our crazy boosters willing to throw down? How many bills? How many checks? How many advertising opportunities? How many Lamborghinis do you have to throw at Bijan Robinson to get him to hold off one more year? It's an important question, though, because if we think back to the Mac Brown years, guys really didn't go pro early under Mac, except for the the real the ones you remember, right? Like Jamal Charles, Vince Young, uh, Jermichael Finley. Like those guys, I remember being huge losses because it was like guys played their fourth year. Uh, and if if Texas or these blue bloods could keep their guys in their programs for their whole four years, I mean, think about the quality of football you'll be seeing between some of these teams who have stacked rosters going through full full five years of like strength and conditioning. I mean, it's a, it's a cool thing to think and, about. And those top teams have five or six players who should have gone to the NFL and would have gone two, three years prior. Or like if you got a key piece like Michael Dixon or something, if you got a Michael Dixon, you know, and you're like, all right, we're paying a punter this year. He's the only thing we can't right. lose. Yeah, he won us a fucking bowl game. We're keeping that man around. I'm giving him $3 million because that's more than he's going to make in the NFL next year. All right. Well, boosters, if you're listening, start saving. All right. So we're going to have some like, I mean, I'll shake, out my, I'll shake out my couch, my couch cushions for every every last cent that I've got, but uh, uh, I don't really carry carry change. I don't really pay in cash, so I'm not going to find a whole lot. I'll, I'll tell you right now. What about Jamison this year, though? I think he's the one that, that really we don't know what – Sark's going to do with that guy. I, I think he's oddly sort of the most known quantity. I think he's been the most up and down with Deshaun Jameson. Goes from being a hero on special teams to not really doing a whole lot last season. 
has some highlight reel plays at defensive back. But like a lot of Chris Boyd moments. And and last season really didn't. He was he was a liability. It's what version of Deshaun Jameson shows up next yeah. season? Well, and he was in a new huge. system. He was in a new system last year. I I do. You know, I think I was talking with you and a couple of the other guys um, about his his return acumen because I thought, you know, at a at a casual glance or just thinking back real quickly, he was electric, right? I mean, he right. could break he could break it every time. But uh, thinking carefully about it, he did have some issues with decision making. You know, the fear of the muff is like one of the worst. That's like top three bad football play. So it would be weird to see somebody else returning punts for us when he's he's on the bench, but. Uh, we got a lot of guys brought in, a lot of speed. There's a lot of guys that can can have an impact, and you don't have to throw a guy like an Xavier Worthy who's an impact player somewhere else. There's a lot of guys who are going to be able to be capable of handling that role for Jamison. So. We had Bajon returning kicks last year. Hopefully that's not the case again this year. I don't know. Did we actually have Bajon? Or, was or did it just, he return for was... Herman? Bajon returned kicks one season, and I can't remember if it was whenever – Whenever Herman was coaching him, or if it was last season at the beginning, because I didn't. I know we ran into it a few season. times in last season's games where commentators would be like, "Oh, Bijan Robinson back there," and everyone goes, "What?" And then they show it, and it's like, "Yeah, they wear the same number, but oh, that is Deshaun Jameson back there." Okay, yeah, that could have been it. That could have been it, or like it was Keelan Robinson. Even guys who are like generally good commentators, your Joel Klatz and stuff like that, still, it's like still fucking that up. Can't, Nobody's can't perfect. Tell the difference. Nobody's perfect, Josh. You don't got to be too hard on Joel. He's uh, he's he's working on some limited computing power. All right. <laughs> he, he, he had a he had a tough 2005 uh, Big 12 title game. So I mean, otherwise, the, the other guy that I think is interesting to see what his impact's going to be is Xavier Worthy, just because of all those wide receiver transfers that we brought in last year. I mean, part of the reason he blew up so big with. Jesus, however many touchdowns he had, was because he was the only wide receiver. There was no one else you could rely on. Yeah, man, I can't even. Was Marcus Washington? No, that was a while ago. Or was that? No, no. That was Marcus last Washington season? was one of the guys last season, yep. Yeah, that he was. Omir was hurt in fall yep. camp. He was a promising breakout. Got hurt again. Yeah, it was a really tough year. I, I was surprised because he wasn't one of my takeaways from last season. Uh, until you threw up the top 25 plays from last season. And he, he comprised, what, like seven or eight um, huge plays ripping off. So, um, yeah, he's got Nair behind him now. And who else? Like, you got Isaiah Nair. You got Tariq Milton. You got Hall from Alabama. You've got Brennan Thompson, the freshman who just got recruited in, who should be fast as hell. I mean, there's a lot of talent in that wide receiver room. And Quinn, Quinn slinging it around. Right, and and you have guys like Jatavian Sanders, you have Billingsley, guys who are going to have an impact from the tight end position, too, that could theoretically have an impact. But it's one of those weird things where, like, statistically, he could have a worse year this year, but actually be a way better wide receiver than he was, especially with Brendan, Brendan Marion now as a wide receiver coach. Statistically, the numbers could be worse, but because you have better talent around him to take the pressure off, he can still be a better wide receiver, a more lethal threat, and have worse stats than he did last year. Yeah, I agree. They'll be able to put him in the positions that he excels at, too, as opposed to, <clears throat> you know, he's our possession man, he's our deep man, he's our, you know, he's our slant guy coming across the middle. Yeah, that'll be good. Yeah, and it's one of those things, because I think at one point, 
either at the end of last season or early in the off season, Worthy tweeted something about his goals for 2022, and I think he put something insane, like 25 touchdown catches or something like that, which would have been more than he had last season. And it's one of those ones where it's like, man, like, don't get me wrong. I hope you achieve your goals. But at the same time, if you achieve that goal, it means we had serious issues with the rest <laughs> of the wide receiver room again. And I can't, I can't take that again. Yeah. Yeah. It's like when your safety is your, your highest tackler, you just really don't want that. It, it points to other issues on the defense. Right. Yeah. Like, I'm glad you're reliable back there, but I am not glad that you had to be reliable back there. So that's a good segue to, I think, what is my, my largest concern but I've completely blacked it out. It's such a large concern that I don't even address it, you know, at all. And that's linebacker. I don't know who's there. Uh, Overshone, right? Yeah. Who else? Who's our other linebacker? You've got, what's it, Jalen Ford? And Brockermeyer. Luke Brockermeyer, yep. Um, I think we had a couple recruits come in. We've obviously had some big recruits so far in this upcoming class, but... I wasn't trying to get you. It was really more of an exercise. No, no, no. <laughs> in, I, in, and that's how, the thing is I, I start to run out of who else is having an impact there. Because yeah. I, don't, I don't sit there on Surly. I don't sit there on 24-7. I don't sit there on Inside Texas. I don't even sit there on our own goddamn sub and memorize who's having an impact where. I've seen Jalen Ford's name a few times. Luke Brockermeyer I know just because on Twitter, on Discord, on Reddit – People were like cursing his name every time he was out there. Yeah, well, <laughs> so I mean, like I, if PK system is meant to because fo- it's it's meant to occupy bodies at the line so that the linebackers are free to make make tackles. Is that is that right? We don't have a we don't have a defense that puts pressure on the on the QB or penetrates uh, on run plays every play. But who are our linebackers? Right? I mean, it's the it's the central focus of our defense. But I, I don't feel like even through the portal this offseason it was addressed the way it should have been. Did we lose out on, on linebackers, or, or were we in the mix for anybody? I don't even the, remember. The biggest one, honestly, ironically, was one that we talked about right before we hopped onto the podcast. The only reason I was Googling his name was that Diamante Tucker Dorsey, who was like an all-FCS-type guy at James Madison. Like, that was, that was our portal linebacker. And he went where? Well, no, I mean, he's at Texas now. Oh, okay, okay. He was our guy. So he was our guy, but he's not a solve-everything issue. And it was clear with how we recruited last year, Sark's focus was on the lines. Bunch of defensive linemen, bunch of edge guys, bunch of offensive linemen. That was the focus, is is being aggressive, because we needed help there. We did need help there. But now the hole, the most glaringly obvious hole, is at linebacker. We got to figure out linebacker. You had guys like Mo Blackwell who came in as a linebacker recruit. I think he's since been shifted to safety. He's just too too long of a guy to play linebacker and bulk up the way you need your linebacker to bulk up. But there's not a whole lot new. It's just sort of a lot of crossing our fingers, hoping that Overshone meshes to the system to, or better than he did last year. Joseph Osai seems like a fever dream. I mean, he seems like he was like four years ago now since the last time I, I remember hearing about good linebacker play on our side. It'll be good to see Overshone, though. I think he's got, you know, some guys have said he's got some NFL potential. Uh, you know, he's a little small for the linebacker position, so it'll be interesting to see how that shakes out. But he's got a nose for the ball. And I think I, I remember reading that somewhere was that was some people analyzed it where that was Overshone's biggest problem last year was that he's got a nose for a ball. He's so 
mentally quick that he diagnoses plays so quickly that he's there almost too early and ends up getting caught up in a block oh, that yeah. wouldn't be wouldn't still be waiting for him if he w- was a little bit slower to get there. An interesting critique that I've never heard. And I, I admittedly, uh, as a non-expert, I didn't take any time to fact check any of what I read, so I don't know if that's actually true. But, I mean, he's a guy who has that type of athleticism and that type of intelligence. He can play that way. You just need him to put it all together and make it work. And, I mean, especially in the Big 12 where there's so many of those air raid style offenses where things get so spread out, you need a linebacker like him who can be all over the place all the time, even if the size isn't necessarily. He's not your, you know, prototypical mid-2000s middle linebacker who's there to just be... 260 pounds and just absolutely murder running backs. Yeah, he's a, he's a big 12 linebacker, which is good. But it does, you know, it does indicate that we probably need to flip our recruiting strategy for linebackers in the next year or so, moving conferences the way that we are. You know, we're really talented across the roster at, at every position, but then you get you get past the the starter or even just like one guy, and it's like these competitions in fall camp this year, total unknowns. I don't know who's going to start across the whole defense. You have battles everywhere. Outside of Bijan, outside of Xavier Worthy. After that, I don't know, a lot of question marks. I almost corrected you that after Quinn, but I forgot that that is still an ongoing competition. Ongoing competition that Sark claims he's going to have figured out. We should pull this up. We should pull this up. Who wants Quinn Ewers to start and who wants Hudson Card to start? And I want to see what the public sentiment is. Because I think that's going to drive. I think that's going to drive what happens. To be honest, and and that's. I mean, we shit. We'll after this, we'll throw together a poll. We'll throw it on on Reddit, um, on Longhorn Nation. We'll just throw it on there and be like, "All right, game two, Alabama. Who do you want to see starting? Quinn Ewers, Hudson Card. You know, Quinn's just going to walk out there and be like, "Are you silly? You know, I'm going to send it, and he's going <laughs> to fucking send it, dude. I can't wait." can't wait that, well that's what that's how quinn would handle it that's what i'm it's saying whether or not i think sark knows that quinn is going to handle it yeah you got i mean just look at him how could you not know well anyway this has obviously been a very positive episode i think very uh very sunshine pumpy very kool-aid heavy uh, as we get ready for kickoff in a few short weeks i think as of today it's four weeks away from kickoff Labor Day weekend, wow! which means we're only three weeks away from week zero, so you can fill your Saturday with a bunch of teams that you don't necessarily care about, but it's better than no college football. Scratches the itch. In the meantime, though, follow the podcast on Twitter at, at the FSS Podcast, uh, and join the Hornscast Discord uh, to interact with me and all the hosts for not only our show, but also, you know, Bazer's show and... If and when the guys from Barking Carnival decide to post an episode, uh, they're all on there. They they interact with the community, and uh, you can talk to us about dumb shit there, uh, even outside of Texas sports. Uh, but we'll be back with another episode right before kickoff against Louisiana Monroe. Until then, hook them. See you guys.